Father, we worship you this morning. Father, we thank you this morning. We honor you for bringing us to the 10th day of power. Thank you for the things you have already accomplished for us in the past nine days. We just want to say thank you. Thank you for the battles that you have fought. Thank you for the angels that you have released on our behalf. Thank you for the ground that you have helped us to gain. We sincerely appreciate you. We sincerely thank you for bringing us thus far. Father, we are grateful. Receive our worship. Receive our thanksgiving. Receive our praises. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. Have your way this morning as we press on. As we press into power. As we press into your very presence, as we press to possess our possessions, as we press to recover all that the enemy has stolen from us, Lord, grant us ascendance, grant us strength, grant us grace. May our eyes be open to see that which is great and mighty, which you want to show us in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You're welcome to the 10th day of power. Uh, the Lord has been so wonderful in these days, uh, educating us and enabling us to pray. And um, I want to believe that today is going to move in a deeper and a greater way. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Now, when I was praying, we don't just come carelessly. Before we come, we pray. When I was praying, asking the Lord what he has for the 10th day of power, he said to me that the battle against the Amalekites has not ended yet. You remember that David has to kill them from evening of the day to the evening of the following day. So it's a complete 24 hours battle. In fact, he told me something, he said, that there is this aspect of the battle to recover what the Amalekites have stolen, and then there is this aspect of the battle to take back. There are things that are your possessions that they have seized in the realm of the spirit, that you need to possess it by, by war. By war. So, possessing your possession that are in the hands of the Amalekites. This one is that it has not gotten to you. The battle of yesterday is you have it before. David had his wife and children and all of that and his cities and properties, but they came and destroyed everything, took what he has. So he has to pursue to recover. The Amalekites invaded, attacked, and then, you know, destroyed. So he has to fight back to get back. But there is this aspect of that which are supposed to be yours that has not gotten to you. They seized it in the realm of the spirit. And maybe I, should, I, I will need to clarify that, you know, when we are talking about Amalekites, uh, I, I hope we, we still know that we are not referring to human beings. <laughs> because that's not uh, uh, our way. We didn't learn that from Jesus. We are his disciples. We follow him. He taught us to pray for our enemies. 
but we know that our real enemies are spirits. And that's the essential difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament are physical human Amalekites. But in the New Testament, they have turned to become principalities, powers. I mean, spiritual wickedness in high places. These are spirits now. They enter into human beings, though. But we don't fight the human beings. We fight the spirit that is inside of them that are working against us. That's, that's the clear difference between this warfare of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And that's where so many people get it wrong. Even the Bible made it clear. It said, for we are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against spirits. So there must be that line. Many people don't distinguish between that line. The moment you are talking about Amalekites in, the, in your place of work, they are seeing one wicked man. Yes, it may be the spirit of the Amalekite that is inside the wicked man, but the man himself is not the Amalekite for us. So we are not licensing you to go and kill somebody by fire or by thunder. But before uh, we move on to what we are, let me just establish what we are just uh, saying by reading 1 Timothy chapter 2. Look at what happened in 1 Timothy chapter 2. That's where we are going to start the journey for today. And then we press on, on the prevailing power of prayer. And we will move to the triumphant power of prayer. You know, when we talk about prevail, I want you to note the difference between prevailing and triumphing. Prevailing, you may prevail against the Amalekites. They will prevail back. If you remember the verse where when Joshua's hand was up, Joshua prevailed. Then when, I mean, Israelite prevailed. I mean, when Moses' hand, sorry, was up, Joshua and Israelite prevailed. When the hand of Moses was down, the Amalekite prevailed. So prevailing can happen on both sides. And, and the, why the battle is going on? Are you getting it? Now, but when you talk about the triumphant power of prayer, which is where we are landing today, Triumphant means that they have been discomfited. They have been totally finished up. So we are here today to finish up with the Amalekites. Because we are going to also engage in the battle of Philistines. I mean, there are several levels of... These names in the Old Testament that fought against Israel. They are spirits for us now in the New Testament. And they operate with different technologies. The technology of the Amalekites is different from the technology of the Philistines. And you must have to know how to deal with all sorts of spirits. The Bible said there are principalities. Not principality, principalities. There are powers, not a power. There are spiritual wickedness in high places. Rulers of the darkness of this, rulers, not a ruler. There are many of them. And then these are hierarchies of satanic princes. And then you talk about demons, evil spirits that are now possessing people. There are many of them. The Bible said when Satan was thrown from the heaven to the earth, he, he drew one third of the angels, one third of the whole angels. So you can imagine the innumerable company of angels that one third followed Satan. So you can imagine the number of satanic princes and demons that are operating against the believers. But that's not our concern. Our concern is that we have the blood of Jesus to overcome them. We have the finished work of the cross to overcome them. Now, I want you to see something from First Peter chapter, First Timothy chapter 2. Uh, there are one or two things I want to see from there so that we can get clarified on the fact that we are fighting spirits, not human beings. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for how many men? For all men. 
whether he's an evil man in your family or evil woman. God said, we should pray for all men. Jesus was the first that to say it. Say, pray for even your enemies. Now, Paul repeated it and said, every man, for kings, for all, the, all that are in authority, for the president, for the senators, for the governors, it is not a, about whether you like the person or not. As long as God allowed the person to get there, or maybe even, maybe the person got there, I don't know any way the person got there, but the person is already in authority. The Bible says every authority is of God. Therefore, they have to be prayed for. Why do we need to pray for them? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. Then verse 4, it says, Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth? God wants us to pray for all men because he has salvation plan for all men. Even the native doctor, even the witch doctor, even the occultic man, even the killer, the thief, the arm robber. God wants all men to be saved. The Yahoo boys, I mean the prostitutes, he wants all men to be saved and to, be, to come to the knowledge of the truth. So the prayers is for men, but against the spirits that the devil normally uses to manipulate you know, things and circumstances around the believer's life. Now he has not ended. He said, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, amen. The man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Did you see that? I don't know whether you understand that. Say, there is a mediator between God and men. Somebody has mediated by his death and resurrection. And that is the man. He didn't say the, uh, uh, the spirit. The man. So because he became a man and stayed as a man and died for all men. He said that is the reason why we should pray for all men. And for God to allow his own son to become a man and to die for all men. Therefore God has made it clear that he wants to save all men. Therefore, we should pray for all men. We should war. We should supplicate. We should give thanks for all men so that they will be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But someone will say, but my uncle is, is, is the one that killed my brother. Uh, my this or that. Listen, God say we should pray for all men. What killed your brother is not your uncle, actually. It is the devil that entered into your uncle. Are you getting it? So we must have that clear difference. And that is why we don't need to stay put and allow the devil to be manipulating in people to be using them against us. That's the battle. He said, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ and I lie not. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will, therefore, that verse 8 is very significant. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up what? Holy hands, without wrath and doubting. Remember that it was the hands of Moses lifted up that caused the prevalence of the Israelites over the Amalekites. Now, God wants us to lift up holy hands in prayers. Now, that is to say, whenever you are praying, your hands are actually lifted up. But whether the hands are holy or not holy, that's where the matter is. And that's the second point I want us to take note this morning. What is the first point? The first point is that we are dealing with spirit, not human being. Though human being can be possessed by spirit and all of that, and be, as if they are being used by the devil to fight against us, but we know that our battle is not against them. What is the second point? The second point 
is that we must ensure that the hands we are lifting off in prayer are holy hands. I have seen all sorts of things among believers in Christianity where people that are living in immorality, people are living in sin, telling lies, and they are still praying that their enemies will die or whatever. Still praying warfare prayers. Their lives are not correct. Their hands lifted up are not holy hands. If the prayer will work, if the battle against the Amalekites will work, the hands that we are lifting up to God in prayer must be what? Holy hands. Take note of that. Now go back to Joshua, I mean um, Genesis chapter 17 where we met the battle of the Amalekites. I want us to pick one thing there as we move on. Look at Genesis chapter 17. Is it Genesis or Exodus? Exodus, sorry. 17 verse, verse 12. He said, But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hor stayed up his hands, the one on one side, and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. The battle is not hit and run. I want us to note that the Amalekites, they don't just go that you fought them. They remain in the battle till the going down on the sun. Are, are you getting it? You may kill some of them, but they will still remain. That's why God said you are to continue that prayer this morning. Maybe those of us who did not join us yesterday and you are joining us today, you will need to, after now, go back to yesterday's, um, both the charge and the prayers. This morning I have to put it on and listen to the message again yesterday and then pray, follow the prayers again. That of yesterday, very powerful. Now, I want us to note that the battle is a very serious, steady, lasting one. Before you move from prevailing to triumphing, you have to really take it up. Otherwise, if you, if you leave any Amalekite, they will return back. The same thing that David did. You remember that even though David, the Bible says he killed everybody, but he said except 400 young men. Look at it in 2 um, um, Samuel, no, 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 17. Okay, let's start from verse 16. He said, And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight, that's from evening, eh? even unto the evening of the next day. 24 hours, solid, strong battle. He was steady. He said, and there escaped not a man of them. It looks like it's a wonderful year, but until you now see, save, that is except. So there are some of them that escaped. 400 young men who rode upon camels and fled. It was these 400 young men that later got, you know, married and then replenished again. And if you see what they keep doing, Amalekites, they are still there. They are still there. 
So I want us to note that the battle is prolonged, and that's why we are returning back to it. Now, there is something shocking that the Lord showed me this morning uh, concerning the Amalekites. When Moses was reporting, reporting um, what happened in Exodus um, 17, in Deuteronomy chapter 25, please turn your Bibles, if you are with me, to Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 17 to verse 19. Uh, I would like to read it from some versions. Maybe we read King James first, and then we now read it from easy-to-read version. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 17. He said, remember, Moses was talking to the Israelites. Say, remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way, when you were comfort out of Egypt. How he met thee by the way and smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee. When thou was faint and weary, and he feared not God, therefore it shall be, when the Lord thy God has given thee rest from all thy enemies round about, in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it, that thou should blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Thou shalt not forget it. Don't forget it. Now, I want us to read the same from... Uh, you can check several, several other versions, but I want to read... Um, easy to read version. Easy to read version said, Remember what the Amalekites did to you when you are coming from Egypt. You are already saved from Egypt and you are moving towards the promised land. He said, the Amalekites did not respect God. That's number one. They did not fear God. They attacked you when you were weak and tired. They killed all your people who were slow and walking behind everyone else. I repeat, the Amalekites did not respect God. They did not fear God. They did not fear the God that delivered you from Egypt. They did not acknowledge the fact that Egypt was a strong nation and you have been under bondage for a year and they, God did a lot of wonders and miracles to liberate you from Egypt. They did not acknowledge and fear God. Out of lack of fear and respect for God, they what? They attacked you when you are weak and tired. Note the strategies of the Amalekites. First, they don't fear God. Second, they attack not when you are strong, not when your prayer life is up. Now, I guess that one of the strat strategies is to get you weak first in prayers, get you weak in your quiet time, in your Bible study, in the things that you do that makes you strong. Because it takes strength to fight and to win. That's why when the Bible was talking about spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, it said, be strong in the Lord and in the, uh, the strength of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Before you now begin to tell you to put on the whole armor of God so that you'll be able to stand. Because the battle, the spiritual warfare we are talking about is a battle of strength. First of all, you must be strong. Secondly, you must be very angry and aggressive against the devil and his works. 
There are two things that enables people to have victory in spiritual warfare. One is that you must be strong. Two is that you must be angry enough. You don't see two people fighting physically when they are not angry at each other. If only one person is angry, there's no fight. When the Bible says fight the devil, resist the devil, you have to be angry first at the devil before you can fight him. If you are not angry enough, you will not fight the devil. And if you don't fight him, he will finish you up. He said, they attacked you when you are weak. He will target you when you are weak. He will target you when you are tired. He will target you when you begin to you start skipping your quiet time. You start you know, speaking, skipping your prayers. And then they will come and have sex with you in the dream. He can't come and have sex with you in the dream when you are strong. Some of us that began to compromise, you know what I'm talking about. You see yourself, you start misbehaving. Because you are tired, you are weak in prayers at that time. Look at the hand of Moses being weak and tired. That's when they, they, are, they, are, about, they are prevailing. But when the hand is strong and up, they are weakened. Very, very, you know, devilish, strategic people. They attack you when you are weak and when you are tired. And then he said again, they killed all your people. You know, Exodus did not give us this detail. Am I correct? The Exodus just told us an Amalek came and fought with the Israelites. We didn't know the details of the battle. We didn't know that the battle the Amalek fought against the Israel was when they were weak and tired. We didn't know that they killed all the people that we are what? That we are slow and walking behind everyone else. I mean, people that are at the back. So they were attacking from the back. They didn't attack from the front. And you know that the pillar of cloud and whatever was in the front moving and people are going. Now, they came to the back. There are some people that are weak and weary and slow. I mean, whether by old age or whatever, these wicked people began to kill all of them. None of them were able to escape. It was a sudden attack. What a wicked people. And that is why when you are facing them in battle, you don't... Look at what Moses said to them. He said, that, that is why you must, you must destroy the memory of Amalekites from the world. You will do this when you enter the land that the Lord your God is giving you. There, he will give you rest from all the enemies around you. But do not forget, it's a warning to destroy the Amalekites. The reason is that they are going to come again. As long as they are alive, as long as they are there, they will come again. So make sure that you destroy them. You attack them. Complete the death. He said, wipe away their, their memory. So we are here this morning for complete wiping. Well, we killed some of them yesterday. We destroyed some of them yesterday as we prayed. But we are here to wipe out completely. We are entering triumphant level. Are you getting it now? So just follow me. I want us to also see something. That in some cases, the Amalekites will go and join forces with several others. Like in Judges chapter 3, Judges chapter 3, verse 13. Amalekites, this time around, they didn't come alone. They joined forces with um, some people. I wish I can have uh, several versions to be reading these things. 
Um, but let me get it from maybe one of the versions. Judges chapter 3, verse 13. Now, look at uh, King James. King James says, And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek, and went and smote Israel, and possessed the city of pantries. So, let me read it from him. Um, a different version, maybe good news version. Chapter 3, verse 13 of Judges. Good news says, Eglon joined the Ammonites and the Amalekites. They defeated Israel and captured Jericho, the city of Palm Tree. Then I think uh, another version said, Who had joined forces? That's contemporary English version. Eglon, who had joined forces with the Ammonites and the Amalekites to attack Israel? Israel. Eglon and his army captured Jericho. Something is happening here. You remember Jericho was the first land that Israelites captured when they entered the promised land. Do you remember? Am I correct? That's the first land. And they settled down. And they began to capture other, other others. Now, look at what happened here. Amalekites, in some cases, they don't attack alone. They will also, if they hear that another spirit, another is coming, they will join force. That's why they normally join forces with the wickedness of the thought of men to come to attack. And what is their goal here? To capture what you have captured before. The city of palm trees, Jericho. I mean, when they captured Jericho, it means that we have begun to depossess them because that's where they started possessing. That is why sometimes you notice that some of us, it looks as if what you have overcome before, eh, the habits you have overcome before, has come back to overcome you again. And you are wondering, but I have overcome this before. No, they have come again. They join forces. They join forces with the Ammonites, with, the, with Eglon, the king of Moab, to stay fight. So in some cases, it's not only Amalekites. They will join forces. If you move to the same Judges chapter 6, verse 3. Okay, maybe from verse, yes, from verse 3. He said, and so it was when Israel has sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth. Till thou come unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor axe. For they came up with their cattle and their tents and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number. And they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. I don't know whether you are noticing something again here. The Amalekites here joined forces with the Midianites to attack Israel. Let me read it from um, maybe some other explanatory versions. Let me read good news. 
He said, whenever the Israelites will plant their crop, the Midianites will come up with the Amalekites. With the Amalekites. And the desert tribes and attack them. Whenever Israel will sow their seed. In Genesis 8.22, God established the law of seed, seed time and harvest. That anyone who sows seed will have his harvest. Anyone who works hard should have a, a response from your hard work. You should have something coming to you as a reward of your labor. But look at what is going on here. The children of Israel will plant, we sow seed. But instead of them to have their reward, instead of them to have their harvest, the Midianites with the Amalekites, these same Amalekites, they will join forces together and come. Look at their strategy this time around. They will camp on the land and destroy the crops as far south as the area around Gaza. They will take all the sheep, cattle, donkeys, and leave nothing for Israel to live on. Economy. They now attack the economy of Israel. They say, this time around, we are not going to kill you. We killed before. But this time around, you will be alive. But you will not have chichi. Your money will go. You will labor and try to get money. They will release one thing that will take up the money. The Bible says like grasshopper, they were like sand upon the seashore. They will come. The Bible says they will come at the point of harvest. When you are sowing the seed, they say, well, let's allow him to sow the seed. We are not going to come now. But the moment they notice that the harvest is ready, that is when they will leave their own country, leave their own uh, land, and they will come and camp in the land. And they will not just take the things that we are planted. They will also take the animals. They leave nothing for Israel to live on. What a wicked pe people. What a wicked... Listen, until you see the wickedness of the devil. Some of us think that the devil will just... When he's exhibiting his wickedness at a time, he will just have mercy on you and allow you to have some things. No. No. You must turn back and... Revert. That's why some of us, you keep on going around the same cycle. You will see other people that are doing the same thing you are doing, achieving some things. But you look as if your own is not, is not working. These are some of the signs that you need to rise up this morning and fight. They will take up all the sheep, cattle, donkeys, and leave nothing for Israel to live on. They will come with their livestock and tents as thick as locusts. They and their camels were too many to count. They camped and devastated the land, and Israel was helpless. Let me read that last verse. Um, Last verse from um, easy to read version. Verse, okay, let me read from verse. Um, let me just read it. Okay, verse three. They did that because the Midianites and Amalekites from the east always, always came and destroyed their crops. Always, they don't fail. Every year they will come. Always, always. They camp in the land and destroy the crops that the Israelite has planted. They ruin the crops of the Israelites as far as the land near the city of Gaza. They don't spare any land. They did not leave anything for the Israelites to eat. They did not even leave them any sheep, cattle, or donkeys. The Midianites came with their families, animals, and tents. They were like a swarm of locusts. 
They and their camels were too many to count. They came into the land and ruined it. The Israelites became very poor because of the Midianites. So the Israelites cried to the Lord for help. When the Bible said that Israel was impoverished, the word impoverished means very poor. There is a difference between poor and very poor. That is what happened to some of us believers. You are not just in debt. You are in a system of debt. What is the difference between being in debt and being in a system of debt? When you are in debt, you are only owing one man. When you are entered the system of debt, you will borrow from one man to pay the next person. And when the person you borrow from starts disturbing you, you will go and borrow from another person. So you are in a system that you never come out from year to year. You are struggling. You are struggling. Now, I want us to see that the Amalekites, they are ready to take the city of Jericho. They are ready to also attack your economy. They can kill. We saw how they killed the weak, killed all the people that were slow, lagging behind. Not only killing. Sometimes they will not kill you. They may try to kill you. They notice that they, can, they can't. So they will attack your finances. They will attack your hard work. They will ensure that you are doing your best, but nothing is coming out of it. You may think it's physical, because physical things are happening, but there are forces that are behind every physical thing that happens, whether positive or negative. I want us to note that, I repeat, there are forces that control the physical things that happen, whether it is positive or negative. Whenever any negative thing happens, there is a force in the realm of the spirit that energizes it to happen. Whenever something positive happens, there is a force that energizes it to happen. Things doesn't just happen physically like that. There is something that is making them to happen from another realm. That is why if you are not strong in prayer, if you are not steady in prayer, if you are not always hot, then you can see that whatever that you are doing in physical will be under manipulation. Because these wicked spirits, the principalities, the powers, the spirit, the Bible even call them the spiritual wickedness, not on the earth. They are attacking from the heavenly places. I mean, thank God for Jesus who has ascended and has also brought us up to sit together with him in the heavenly places because we are fighting from the throne. And that is what guarantees our triumph. And I want you to note that as we fight from the throne this morning, we will actually enter into the triumph, complete triumph of the Amalekites. If you believe that, say amen. And at the same time, rise on your feet and let us begin to pray because we are going to ensure that this morning, whatever that is remaining as of yesterday is accomplished today by the help of God. The Bible said the children of Israel, they cried unto the Lord. When they saw what was going on for up to seven years, this thing was happening, up to seven years, somebody's seven years of struggle and, you know, is ending today. No matter how long it has lasted, it's ending today. The struggle is ending today. And I want us to begin to pray. First of all, begin to pray. Say, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the light you have shown us again, Father, this morning concerning this wicked tribe called Amalekites, the wicked spirit that are representing them in our time. Lord, we are grateful. We appreciate you.